We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Great summer day here in the cities. You heard that forecast a moment ago from Al Shock. Uh, up to 87, our dew point down 1 to 60, but... Uh, this feels like June, and it has been dry. And maybe you're looking at your lawn and saying, I've seen better. And we thought it would be a good time to visit with Eric Watkins, professor at the Department of Horticultural Science at the University of Minnesota. Eric, good to visit with you. It's been a while. Yeah, good to talk with you, Steve. Thanks for having me on. It has been dry and a lot of, lot of pressure on our turf grass right now. Yeah, this has been dry. It'd be nice if we got some rain soon, but uh, having a dry period uh, this early in the season does make it a little tricky to get the lawn ready to handle other stress periods that will inevitably come, uh, you know, as we get into July and uh, August. Because typically the the turf grass we have here, it, it does really well when it's a little bit cooler, that you know, most of the stuff we have in a, in our lawns around the, the greater metro area and beyond, you know, like that, that cooler, wetter weather. Right. The grasses that we use on lawns in Minnesota are all, uh, almost all cool season grasses. Uh, so these, you know, they, they like spring and fall. They like temperatures in the 70s and uh, a little bit of moisture, and they are not going to grow as well. Uh, during the hot summer months, now they'll still survive and, and function just fine with proper management. But their ideal growing conditions uh, are mostly, uh, you know, May, early June, and then again, uh, late August through uh, early October. And by the way, if you want to visit with Eric about your your lawn, uh, by all means, get a hold of us on the city's one plumbing talk and text line six five one four six one nine two two six. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Once again, you you can send a text. Great way to go or call. Visit with producer Josh Wheeler, and he'll put you through to the studio today. Once again, lawns in the spotlight. Eric, uh, good enough to join us through the weather at three thirty today. Water is a big part of it, and th- this was an unusual spring because you know April was so cool that. Really, it was probably too cold for lawns to get a proper start. Yeah, they didn't. It took them a while to get going, uh, but then once we got to May or so, they really started taking off. And we've had a lot, we had a lot of grass growth uh, during the month of May. Uh, really good conditions. But yeah, the winter hung on for a while this year, so it took a while to get going. But once the conditions are are, are good for grass growth, uh, as many of you, as many know and have noticed in their lawns, they can grow quite vigorously. Yeah, and. It, it, at, at this time of year, once you get into June, is water the key component where, you know, especially when we're going through a dry stretch here early in the season, 
is watering it. And let's kind of go through the guidelines. What is best for your lawn? Is it watering every day? Is it watering twice a day? Is it watering once a week? Sort that out, Eric, because, you know, this is what you do. Uh, You you spend a lot of time studying turf grass. What's the way to go? So the amount of water your lawn needs uh, is going to be dependent on a number of factors. Uh, soil type is going to affect how much water your lawn needs. Uh, the grass you grow is going to affect how much water you need. Uh, you'll see recommendations often of about an inch a week, which would be you know precipitation plus any irrigation you put down. I think that's probably on the high side, uh, but but whatever that number is, uh, let's say it was you know three quarters of an inch or half an inch even for a lower input grass. Um, it's probably better for most uh, people to put uh, water on less frequently, but at greater amounts. So rather than water every day, uh, maybe water every third day or something like that, split it into two, uh, two or three applications per week rather than watering it every day. The idea there is that uh, if you are constantly watering your grass, you're not really encouraging a lot of root growth. Uh, and then when you do have periods where you can't water, maybe there's water restrictions or something in your city, uh, then the, the roots aren't quite as deep as you might want them. So we typically recommend um, deeper watering, but more infrequently. And then, of course, it would be the same amount of water probably over time, but uh, just change the frequency and the depth. Yeah, and is is early in the morning, like right after sunrise best or evening, it, 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 it seems so a lot of my neighbors – are watering their lawn in the evening. And I, I have heard that that's not such a good idea. Yeah, the uh, the best time to water is early morning, like you said. You know, but you, if you've got an irrigation system, have it you know start at 5 o'clock or something like that. Sure. Um, the uh, watering during the middle of the day is uh, you're going to get a situation where, especially in these hot, uh, windy days, you're going to lose quite a bit of water to evaporation, so that's kind of wasteful. The problem with watering in the evening is, this is especially a concern later in the summer, not so much now, but it still, still could be a concern, is that you then are adding water to the turf and keeping the, leaf, the, the turf leaves wet during the evening. And that's what, what's happening then is you'll have a longer leaf wetness period, uh, and long periods of leaf wetness lead to more disease pressure. So some of the common diseases we might have on lawns in Minnesota would be more prevalent in those situations where you have a lot of extended leaf wetness so by watering in the morning you're watering at a time when the leaves are coming out of uh, a, a wet period during the night with dew uh, and uh, therefore you're not going to have that long uh, wetness period that would lead to more disease so we always recommend uh, watering early in the morning joining us on the john schuster coldwell banker hotline professor eric watkins from the university of minnesota department of horticultural science if you have a question about your lawn feel free to get a hold of us 651-461-9226 here's a good one uh someone put down some granular fertilizer last week uh how long should they wait to apply a liquid herbicide to the lawn well those those two applications uh, aren't necessarily going to affect one another. Sort of the larger uh, recommend, the bigger point here might be that when we're in a situation like we are now where it's been pretty dry, you probably don't 
want to be doing a lot to your lawn, and that it could include uh, pesticide applications for controlling weeds and um, uh, and fertilizing. Now, if you have a lawn that's getting uh, proper uh, amounts of moisture through watering, then uh, it's not a problem to apply that herbicide uh, after the uh, the fertilizer goes down. Um, we're probably at a point now, most people are probably, you know, the recommendation would be if you're going to fertilize in the spring, uh, most of that probably would have been uh, done uh, by now, uh, late May, early June now. Um, and then herbicides can be put down as as needed, but like I mentioned before, you want to avoid in these stressful conditions, especially in a situation where you're not watering your lawn, you want to avoid doing things to your lawn like applying pesticides or applying fertilizers. Yeah, and, you know, the the funny thing is I had kind of changed my approach a number of years ago based on some of the conversations we've had here on the radio and other things I've heard, like on the Smart Gardens program on Saturday mornings uh, with the experts from the Extension Service at the University of Minnesota each and every Saturday morning between 8 and 9 a.m. And, by the way, those podcasts are very popular and available at the website wccradio.com but it's just spot treating you know if i have a problem area i'll spot treat that area instead of kind of carpet bombing the entire turf grass right spot treating is a really good approach uh for post-emergence uh herbicide applications so that you know you're probably typically talking about dandelions or uh, weeds like that where you uh, see them appear and then you want to get rid of them. Uh, there's some weeds like crabgrass, for instance, where to control them, uh, the best application is a pre-emergent herbicide. In that case, you're going to have to do a blanket application to the, to the whole area. But, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, a lot of times for the, for the amount of weeds one has in their lawns, typically in Minnesota, spot applications can work, uh, work really well. Uh, we've got more with Eric coming up. We invite you to uh, continue uh, to uh, reach us, if you wish, on the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line 651-461-9226 if you have a question about uh, your your turf grass. We're also going to get into seeding. And then going forward, what are the recommendations? Should, should you be fertilizing in the hot summer months or should you wait now until fall? Uh, we will certainly get into all of that. And then uh, putting down sod or, or doing repairs. We'll get into that as well with Eric in a moment here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Dewpoint 60, 87 degrees. Not a great chance of rain today or tonight. Next chance, Monday and Monday night. Uh, it continues to be dry in these parts, and maybe your lawn is feeling it. Uh, Eric, here's a good one. If folks haven't been watering and the lawn has turned brown, it, it'll it bounce back when we get rain or bounce back in the fall. Is that is that pretty typical? Yeah, for the most part, uh, lawns are going to bounce back after a, a drought dormancy period. The amount of time they can go without water is going to vary between the grass you have. So if you have Kentucky bluegrass, you might be able to make it Nearly a couple months, maybe a month and a half without water. Um, some of the fine fescues that we often recommend are probably probably aren't going to last quite as long as Kentucky bluegrass, and you'd want to water them at some point. Uh, but these grasses do have dormancy mechanisms, so that during you know most of our droughts, especially those that don't extend 
uh, for long periods, uh, they are able to bounce back. And as soon as that rain comes, they'll green, uh, green back up again. Yeah, so if we, we have a, a dry summer at some point, you're going to want to think about uh, putting, putting some water down to help that lawn get through. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up, and it was a follow-up, someone uh, applied some fertilizer. I, I would astu- assume at the website, the extension website, that there is guidance on, you know, when or what, what the timing is to put fertilizer down. Uh, in your experience, do, do, do people generally fertilize their turf too much? That's a good question. Some people probably fertilize it too much, and a lot of people probably don't fertilize it enough. Um, uh, the, the the key with fertilization is to fertilize at the right times of year. So we talk, when we started uh, the conversation, talked about how these cool season grasses are growing more vigorously when the weather's cooler. So what we want to do is time the fertilizer the fertilizer applications at 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 a point in the season when we expect the grass to be growing pretty vigorously. So that's why we typically recommend uh, if you're going to fertilize in the spring, like a late May uh, fertilizer application, maybe mid-May, and then start fertilizing again, uh, maybe late August, early September. Um, what about uh, repairs, uh, putting down sod? Sod's now pretty much available at the garden center. You see it out there. Uh, the one thing I do know about sod, my experience over the life, when you put it down, you definitely want to keep it wet. Yeah, that's the key thing with sod. So sod's a great option for that, getting that instant turf coverage in a, in a bare spot. Uh, but but the, the key is to keep it moist. You want to make sure it's moist until those roots are firmly uh, into the ground uh, and, uh, and growing well. One of, the, one of the challenges with sod is that almost all the sod that you would, you would find available is Kentucky bluegrass. Now, if you have a Kentucky bluegrass lawn and you want Kentucky bluegrass, that's not a problem. But if you're somebody who has other grasses, uh, it's going to be difficult to, to match uh, and find sod that fits uh, the other grasses in your lawn. And another challenge is that Kentucky bluegrass, for the most part, is not very shade tolerant. So if you have an area maybe that's not doing well because it's in the shade, uh, siding it with Kentucky bluegrass isn't going to necessarily uh, solve the problem. Yeah, Eric, one of the things that uh, I know when we visited with you have have talked about recommended varieties that that are a little more drought tolerant uh work in our climate or in this growing zone if you will some recommendations where where seed is is certainly a good option uh, especially to incorporate some of these you know newer varieties fine fescue is one that comes up yeah, fine fescues are a really good option for those who don't want to water their lawn a lot and don't want to mow a lot and put down a lot of fertilizer. So they would be considered a low-input grass. There's several fine fescues, and there's resources on the University Extension uh, web- Garden Garden website uh, about fine fescues. Uh, and and you, there's multiple, there's several species of fine fescues that one can plant, um, but usually you, you would plant a mixture of several of these species. Uh, but they provide a really good turf, uh, don't need as much mowing, uh, can stay green longer during drought, longer uh, during droughts. They also do quite well in shade for the most part, which is a really nice advantage. Another grass that we've been um, doing quite a bit of work on and really encouraging people to consider using is tall fescue, which is a completely different grass than the fine fescues. And it's a more 
it's a it's a wider leaf grass than the fine fescues. The leaf texture is maybe similar to Kentucky bluegrass, maybe a little wider leaf blade. Um, but this grass has much deeper roots than some of these other grasses that we use. So we've noticed uh, during the last few years when we've had these summer drought periods that the tall fescue can stay green during these droughts pretty much the whole time. Uh, and that's a really big advantage when you think about uh, getting through these summer stress periods. So we're doing more and more recommendation that uh, tall fescue is a good option, especially for uh, those folks who don't want to be watering their lawns during the summer. We do, however, recommend that you don't seed it uh, straight uh, as tall fescue because there are a few few things that tall fescue, a few attributes of tall fescue that could be a problem in Minnesota. For instance, it doesn't green up quite as early as other grasses. And maybe if we have extended periods of ice cover during the winter, you might lose some grass. So we typically recommend, um, we, would, we would recommend mixing Kentucky bluegrass and tall fescue together. But doing that gives you a really nice lawn during these uh, drought periods that we've been having in Minnesota the last few years. So if you have predominantly a bluegrass lawn, can you start to incorporate that? Because people have heard terms like overseeding, et cetera. Can you introduce that uh, to established turf? Yeah, that, that's certainly something you can do. Now, that process isn't going to be instant. You, it's sure. not just a one-time overseeding, right? It's, if you want to maintain your lawn as is and slowly incorporate and start to incorporate other grasses, uh, you can do that through yearly overseeding in the late summer, early fall. Uh, and with tall fescue, maybe we'd rec- even recommend doing it in the spring because tall fescue uh, is a grass that uh, sometimes if it's young going into winter, you can have some problems. But it's a process that would take many years. Um, but if you're diligent about it, and then once that, once that tall fescue starts to take hold in the lawn, you'd want to manage the lawn such that the tall fescue would, be, would have sort of an advantage. So in this case, once you have some populations of tall fescue plants established in your lawn, maybe you back off, back off on the on the water to uh, you know to lessen the growth of the Kentucky bluegrass and encourage the growth of the tall fescue. Is it possible to start from scratch, new construction, et cetera? Just just start with that blend that doesn't incorporate the tall fescue. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. if you're starting from scratch, you got to especially a full sun situation, and you don't want to be watering a lot during the summer, I think a tall fescue Kentucky bluegrass mixture is is really a great option. I think we'll see more and more of that, more availability of that particular uh, combination. You're starting to see it uh, around town uh, when you're looking for seed. But that, that's, that's a combination, I think, as people are more and more concerned about uh, water use and uh, lawn performance during droughts, I think we're going to see more and more tall fescue in the landscape. Eric Watkins, professor at the University of Minnesota Department of Horticultural Science, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. I, I live in the North Metro, northern Hennepin County. I live along the river, so it's it's really uh, a lot of gravel, etc. But uh, my my neighbors pretty close by are dealing with a lot of sand, and then you get into Anoka County, and there's a lot of sand in Anoka County. And uh, on the other side of the river and points north, is there a grass that's better for really sandy conditions, well-drained, uh, d- doesn't hold water at all? So in those situations, you're going you're gonna to want to stick with grasses that, don't, that we just talked about that don't yeah. need quite as much water to stay green. So fine fescues and tall fescue yeah. are both options you might want to explore if you're dealing with a lawn that has a, a really sandy soil that's not going to hold that water. Yeah, 
Um, one other thing I, I wanted to get, get into before we let you go, uh, people in the in the spring go out and sometimes even rent those power rakes and get the thatch out what are your thoughts on that it it seems a little late to be doing that sort of thing but you still see them for rent at at the garden center and at the hardware store is that a good idea so dethatching or airifying these kind of cultivation procedures to reduce thatch are a good idea if you have a lot of thatch you don't you shouldn't do them just to do them you'd want to do them in a situation where your thatch is too thick you got kind of maybe a a kind of a, a lawn that seems kind of spongy that has kind of a uh, a layer of uh, 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 tissue, organic matter uh, above the soil surface. This time of year, we're probably you probably don't want to be doing that sort of thing at this point, uh, especially given the drought conditions that we have. It kind of goes back to earlier when I was talking about pesticide and fertilizer applications. Airification or dethatching is another thing you don't want to be doing when that grass is stressed. So. Uh, generally, we'd recommend doing uh, these dethatching uh, uh, operations in the late summer, early fall, during that time when the grass is growing vigorously so that any damage that uh, occurs to the lawn, and there's going to be some damage through that process, uh, is easily uh, overcome by the, uh, the grass growing vigorously in, these, in the cool uh, fall conditions. Uh, well, a lot of great info today. And then, of course, the plugs or the airification. Uh, I, I've heard fall is the time to do it, but generally you don't need to do it every year. They, they do it a lot on golf courses, but uh, on uh, homeowner's turf grass, probably not every year. Right. I think it would be rare that a home lawn would need it every year. You know, it's something you do every few years, maybe at the most. Uh, and it's going to just depend on how you're managing your lawn. If you're Watering the lawn a lot and fertilizing a lot, you're going to have more organic matter that's going to contribute to the buildup of thatch. Or maybe if you have a lawn that gets a lot of, a lot of use and a lot of traffic and is, is in a kind of soil that can compact a lot, then airification would be useful. But, yeah, generally you're, you're not going to need to do it every, uh, every year. It's going to be a more infrequent uh, thing that you need to do to your lawn. All right. And then finally, if you have a lawn, you need to mow. Um, what, what are the, the key tips when mowing your turf grass? Uh, one of the really easy things you can do is uh, in, is raise your mowing height. So uh, maintaining your lawn at three, three and a half, four inches is really a great idea for many reasons. Uh, one of the big ones, though, is it just uh, it won't need as much water, and it'll perform better during drought periods. So one of the things we've been recommending is people think about um, – managing lawns during the summer, especially when we've had these uh, droughts each of the last few years, is just raising that mowing height. And then the other thing is to not mow your lawn when it's stressed. That is a, uh, when you when you do that, uh, you're going to lead to more damage to your lawn. So when we're in these drought stress conditions, you want to stay off that lawn with mowers, fertilizer applications, but I just don't do uh, typical practices uh, to your lawn during these stress periods. Another reason to raise your mowing height is it uh, has some, for those who are interested in uh, thinking about how they can help pollinators uh, in their lawn, raising the mowing height has also been shown to uh, be helpful in that way as well. Oh, and uh, another one I've heard, is this true, is it not true? Sharp blades. Sharpen the blade on that mower. If you have a mower with multiple blades, uh, sharp blades are a big deal, aren't they? 
Yeah, sharp blades uh, are important uh, to make sure you get a nice clean cut, and uh, a poor mowing blade is going to lead to more shredding of leaf tissue, and that sort of exposes the leaf to more water loss and other problems. So, yeah, sharp blades are really important. It looks better. A lawn that's been mowed with a sharp blade also just looks better, but it also is better uh, for plant health. And if at all possible, leave the clippings lie. In other words, mulch whenever possible. That's right. Yeah, you should You know, be a rare case when a homeowner should remove clippings. You might, if you get in a situation where you haven't mowed for a while and there's just a lot of clippings that are sort of matting over the turf and clumping up, uh, then you might want to remove them, but otherwise try to uh, mulch them right back into the lawn. Well, Eric, always good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time. Always a ton of great advice. And, uh, by the way, the website, the University of Minnesota, extension.umn.edu. A lot of great stuff there.